Welcome to Momentum Africa. I'm your host, Hashim Mek. Our show features African leaders that are shifting the paradigms in their fields. We explore themes of leadership, economic development, current challenges, and how these leaders are providing innovative solutions to be catalysts of change in their communities. Here at Momentum Africa, we understand that there are no panacea to all problems. And this is why we examine the following topics. The influence of past and current leaders, economic development, philanthropy, culture, and health within the continent of Africa. In this episode, I sat down with Dr. Atine. He is an author, thinker, diplomat, and a politician, and an advocate for peace and justice. Dr. Atine lived and worked for 20 years in Paris, France, where he founded in 1985 the International Peace Quest Institute. Dr. Atene has dedicated 45 years of his life advocating and promoting peace in Sudan, Africa, the Middle East, and the world. In this episode, we talk about his book, Liberation, A New Quest for New Humanism. Well, first of all, thank you uh, very much, Hashim, for uh, uh, making time to uh, welcome me to to your program and uh, to your audience i really appreciate it and uh, and uh, i commend you for uh, for this uh, initiative and this work uh, yeah so you know we all come to this world uh, for a reason i suppose and uh, i think we all strive to to try to find some uh, uh some understanding of uh, of of the world we we come into you know and and also uh, strive to find some meaning and some purpose so basically i think that's uh, that's why you know i called it liberation quest for for a new humanism which is basically it's i'm uh, speaking about all of us, you know, we are all humans, and that's what humans are about somehow. You know, we come to this world, we try to uh, to find, you know, our way in it, and uh, our way in it, in terms of uh, good and evil, is, you know, our success or failure in finding uh, a purpose that's uh, positive, that can put us, you know, on the side of good or negative that uh, ultimately puts us in the side of evil. And uh, I suppose that's, <laughs> that's the human uh, uh, story. So it's a very that's, human story, you know. That's, and, uh, that's indeed yeah, very... And we, keep, we, keep, we keep striving, all of us, you know, that's it. Sounds very interesting indeed. And talking about that, coming to the world... Where was the beginning for you? I know, Mr. Tene, uh, Dr. Tenay, uh, you write in your book that you were at age seven, you were um, calves and herder, and you you from a humble uh, village in, uh, in in southern Kurdufan of Sudan. So, if you can give the uh, the audience a sense of where that beginning, that humble beginning was before you became this uh, international uh, uh, speaker and 
and having quest for international peace? Yeah, uh, I, I, I was born and raised in a small town, uh, well, it's all small village, but it became a big town eventually, uh, called Umruaba in, uh, in eastern Kurdufan. Uh, it's a very sort of rich savanna area of Sudan. It's I call it the Midwest of Sudan, really, like the Midwest in America, like you know. And we we have rich savanna, you know. We have very heavy rainfall in the in the rainy season, uh, and then we have dry weather, you know, when it's not raining and. So anyway, when it rains, uh, you know, uh, the whole I mean, nature just flourishes and everything becomes green and flowers. And, and of course, uh, as kids growing up, you know, uh, basically the economy uh, was, uh, you know, I come from the Habania kind of uh, uh, tribe, you know, in Eastern Kurdufan, and uh, they are uh, cattle people. You know, like more, a lot of people of the savanna and of the Sudanic belt, uh, they are herders. They they live on on, on, on on camels and cattle and goats and all this. Uh, you know, the uh, the other uh, creatures who uh, who share the world with us. <laughs> you know, so um, so of course. Uh, uh, at age seven, you know, like we, uh, our parents and so on, they tried to involve us in the process of socialization and growing up and educating us and and all this. So, uh, so they they gave me this responsibility of just you know, like when I was not in school, especially during the holidays, to to take the calves, you know, uh, out of because they, they were with us in the same house, you know. Uh, you know, we have big, big pieces of land, you know, and there is a corner for the cattle and the corner for the people and all this. So we coexisted. Uh, so the, the idea is that, uh, you know, the, you take these calves uh, in the morning and you go out of the village to the, uh, to the bush, you know, kind of the bush, you know, where where there are farms, uh, you know, but sometimes not farms, just, you know, uh, trees, you know, and, uh, and, and pastors. So they, they graze, you know, they eat. And uh, we, uh, as kids, uh, you know, uh, we meet and, you know, there are kind of lakes and stuff like that and we catch birds and, you know, to do the things that kids do. And then uh, sunset, we just take our uh, calves back home, you know. So that was the initiation and the beginning of, uh, of, of my life. And, of course, I loved that because of nature. You know, nature is, is a fantastic gift for us, you know, and, uh, and all the other species, you know, birds and... So, uh, so if and, I may, uh, th- th- this is a good segue mm-hmm. into uh, my next question. So, because of your love for nature, and uh, obviously uh, you you write this, and we'll get uh, into it more as our discussion goes on. So, how did you make that transition 
uh, young Dr. Hashim now, of course, from that humble beginnings of, of your village to to the biggest uh, and most famous capitals of the world, Washington, D.C. If you can walk us, you know, in some few minutes as how you made that transition to the biggest uh, and and well-known Washington, D.C. area. I think, uh, you know, I grew up in a family which uh, I think most of our families uh, uh, prized education a lot. So, you know, we went to the Quranic school, you know, uh, to learn the Quran and all this. And then, uh, of course, I had from my father's side, you know, uh, the Khatmiya group, you know, uh, which is a Sufi kind of uh, uh group you know uh, uh and then from my mother's side there is the ansar which is the you know the the mahdist kind of uh, uh sufi approach to islam so i was born into <laughs> you know this dual kind of uh, uh micro identity in terms of uh, of the socio religious uh uh, component, you know, uh, of the society, you know, and uh, so I saw both of them. I was oscillating between uh, the Khatmiya and the Ansar. So, and, yeah. uh, so, so you and come I from. Always, uh, so you come. Yeah. Sorry, uh, just this is really a good area. So to ask you a follow up questions. Uh, so you come from a an interface. Uh, based uh, family in as I read in your book because you do talk a lot about the interface uh, component of your quest for peace is, is that why your love for peace in the world uh, as you came to Washington DC I know you lived in France as you were pursuing your degree um, and you came here so your emphasis in about world peace is from that perspective of where you grew up in uh, in interface-based uh, family, so you still uh, embrace that. I uh, thank you so much, Hashim, for this fantastic question because it's really a key question uh, in terms of uh, understanding my journey and my story and my quest, you know, uh, and my vision and mission in in life, uh, because. Uh, I understood way back, intuitively, I suppose, uh, and, uh, you know, I thank God for, for, for that because, you know, uh, I always emphasized, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was an interfaith uh, awareness uh, at the time uh, because uh, at the time, I was all what I knew was Islam and, and these were... Uh, subsets of Islam in terms of uh, Sufi uh, Sufi traditions you know uh, uh, so so the, the Mahdis and the Ansars and the Khatmiya uh, you know uh, they were uh, both Muslims uh, but a Muslim Sufi uh, 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 approaches to Islam with uh, the rituals, uh, specific rituals, different from one another, but uh, where the issue of bridging differences comes is that I never really I, I enjoyed <laughs> I, the rituals, both rituals, you know, and I always 
I never really. Uh, so the question, became, ex- Dr. No, no, I, I, let me finish this point. Sure. I didn't opt for one or the other. I always, and that's where your the answer to your question comes. Uh, bridging, I always felt that they both have different ways of uh, trying to reach to the divine. <laughs> so God is a constant, and God is the meeting point of the diff- the two uh, Sufi traditions. And that's where I think the, the genesis of my uh, bridge building in terms of what is important, you know, and not... Uh, and not what is folkloric or, or or too specific or too partisan. You see my point? So that's I think, and that's the genesis of uh, my journey when I I went to university and then I went to the Sorbonne and then I, I you know I learned more about the history you know of Europe and, and imperialism and colonialism and the role of Christianity and Islam and then the issues of uh, Judaism and the whole, you know, ancient histories of, 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 of Africa and the Middle East. And uh, so that, that grew, I mean, that was uh, the sort of the, uh, the seed, you know, my, my, my bridging to uh, Sufi tradition, Muslim traditions, uh, uh, was a seed to uh, striving to bridge the the, the, the global uh, religious divides between the different groups, you know, be it Abrahamic traditions of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, or uh, the non-Abrahamic, which is the Hindu, Hinduism, and the, and the uh, Shinto, and and the African and um, American uh, traditional uh, called, quote-unquote, native uh, uh, indigenous uh, spiritual traditions, because wherever there is man, as you know, there is always a quest for understanding and therefore for, 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 for God. How did the idea for writing your book uh, come about? Oh, I, you know, uh, I think in the book I do mention that when I was 17 years old, I read a book that changed my life uh, in, in, in Omruaba, you know, in my hometown. And the book was entitled The Autobiography of Kwame Nkrumah, who was the first uh, president of independent Ghana and who actually studied in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, in the United States, and who just spoke about his uh, journey, and I could relate to him because he was speaking about also growing up in Ghana and similar situation, you know, but then uh, developing and going. At the time, I was 17 years old. I didn't. He was my gateway to to the world somehow through his journey from Ghana to the United States to to studying law in, in Pennsylvania, I think Lincoln University or something. And then his, uh, his organizing and struggle for independence of Ghana, you know, and went to England and, and then he went back home and, and he became president. 
So this was very inspiring for me. And so I sat down and I wrote him a letter and I thanked him. <laughs> it's interesting, at the age of 17. So of course, that experience, and then by the way, a month later, I received a response from him thanking me for my letter. You know, uh, I mean, I was a, a secondary student, uh, secondary school student in Sudan getting a response for a letter I sent to the president of Ghana. It was the first letter I wrote in English, and it was the first letter I received from in English from the president of Ghana. So of course that made a big impact on me, actually on my school, because I was living in a boarding school in Sudan. It's called the White Sedna Secondary School, near Omdurman. And it was the talk of, of the town, you know, and, and I mean of the school. And of course, my English teachers were British, <laughs> you know. So this was a big kind of event, you know, in my life. And it's, it was transformative. So, of course, from that moment, I became very eager about reading and writing and researching and, you know, becoming a scholar and, and became more curious about really understanding and deepening my awareness of the world. But at the same time, always uh, having this passion for bridging uh, differences and, you know, religions and being a, a kind of um, adding my, my humble uh, two pennies to the, the conversation, you know, uh, of, uh, of the world, you know, and that's, that's how it was logical that I, I go through Paris and the Sorbonne and uh, participate in, in interfaith work in France, bringing uh, Muslim community, Christian community, Jewish community to through dialogues for understanding. Way back in '93, you know, we organized something called the uh, Muslim Christian Friendship Group in Paris, with uh, leading. Uh, uh, scholars from Christianity and and and, Christ, and, and, and Judaism and Islam. Uh, so this was in '93, and see what's going on now. Fast forward, you know, with all this mayhem and and this, you know, uh, very violent, uh, uh, you know, reactions, uh, hate, hateful reactions against one another, you know, in 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 in, in France. Uh, in Europe, and uh, and oh. I went to Sudan uh, in seventy in in two thousand seven, and tried to to sort of uh, plant the seed for change, but a change that is rooted in a, a peaceful uh, a revolution in Sudan. Which, uh, thank God, you know, fast forward uh, happened in uh, the nineteenth of December uh, two thousand and eighteen. You know, so um, um, if if I may, kind uh, of validate validated on that. You and know, if the vision I, is validated by by that, and I'm very happy about that. And if so, I may, you know, yeah. If ahead, I may sorry. interject here, uh, I still want to, uh, I would definitely get to come to talk about your uh, international involvement back home. But uh, I wanted to uh, follow up more on the uh, your involvement here back in Washington D.C. with. Uh, uh, organizing for for America, 
I came back. That's why I wanted to say that yeah. because I came back uh, in 2007 and then immediately uh, became involved with the Obama campaign. Okay. And then, you know, I, I so, went so I, full steam, yeah. uh, f- phone banking for Obama, contributing uh, whatever I could, you know, in terms of my money. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, canvassing door to door, you know, for Obama, you know, uh, and um, you know, it was. I just felt it was in divine order because you know I felt I was. This is this was my duty to do uh, as a citizen, you know, uh, and uh, especially that things in Sudan were not promising at the time. So I planted the seed of peaceful transformation in Sudan. I came to America and I went with a vengeance to do that through the Obama candidacy. And uh, I was very happy to, to be a part of, of, the, of, of the change uh, that uh, was coming to America at the time. So that was my kind of humble uh, uh, contribution as a citizen. Uh, and also, you know, in D.C., you know, uh, supporting uh, the, the election of Mayor Bowser, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a woman, you know, I support women causes and stuff. So, so you know, I just feel uh, that I'm in the right town, the right place, and I'm very happy and grateful to uh, for, for America to have given me the opportunity to have a, eventually to to have a home because uh, uh, honestly i mean you know i think we need, we need to redefine what home is all about uh, you know it's not only where you are born i think it should be also where you feel you find yourself uh, and you practice uh, and enjoy you know uh, basic freedoms you know uh, freedom of thought uh, freedom of expression uh, freedom of organization, freedom of work, and and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to share all this without all these freedoms that I enjoy. In, 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 and I don't take that for granted, you know? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And talking about freedom and not taking it for granted, uh, I, I still would like to have you um, maybe uh, pivot back to your uh, experience, you worked as a diplomat um, with UNESCO. And if you can um, let our viewers, you know, kind of have a, a taste of what your professional career, particularly working as a diplomat, has been uh, for you so that our, uh, our audience get to uh, hear your incredible journey uh, and prof- uh, professional life. Well, you know, as, as a student in the University of Khartoum, uh, my f- colleagues used to call me the Ibn Battuta of Sudan. Ibn Battuta was a very famous um, scholar who traveled Africa from Tunisia and who, who wrote uh, very interesting, informative uh, works, you know, about Africa and, and Sudan and all this. Uh, and at his time, he was considered to be a great traveler. Uh, the students in the University of the 60s, where I was a student, uh, law student, faculty of law, uh, because I was very involved in voluntary work from day one in the, in the university through the uh, World University Service. And through that and UNESCO, 
I got a, a fantastic travel grant that allowed me to travel and study student governance in Europe and in Asia, you know, from uh, France to Germany to uh, to the Netherlands and then to Pakistan and India and the Philippines and uh, Indonesia, uh, Malaysia uh, and Japan. So when I came back from all that trip, you know, uh, that gave me a very interesting perspective. You know, I was only in my early 20s, you know, 22 or something like that. So, uh, so that launched me into this uh, uh, arena of uh, uh, discovering the world. And of course, when I finished law school, uh, I opted for diplomacy rather than becoming a lawyer or a judge. Because I just felt that uh, I started uh, this quest and this journey of discovering the whole world. So I became very global. And so I, I, I chose diplomacy because that was where I could go abroad and continue, uh, you know, bridging gap, uh, bridge, making, building bridges with, with other countries, other cultures. That was my, and by the way, I was, uh, really the top of my class in the oral examination for the entry to the diplomatic service. Uh, so I worked, uh, you know, in, in Khartoum in the African department. Uh, and then I, uh, I got a possibility either to go to Paris to study more uh, uh, French language and diplomacy or to go to New York to the United Nations uh, uh, mission of Sudan. And of course, I chose, the, as I say in the book, I chose uh, uh, the light uh, of education and knowledge of Paris and the Sorbonne uh, and, 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 uh, and preferred it to the limelight and the glory of the United Nations and uh, the city that never sleeps, which is New York, of course. And so I spent two years as a student uh, diplomat in, in the Sorbonne, and, uh, and that opened for me the French and the Francophone culture. And when I went back after, the, after that to the, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Khartoum, I was sent back to Paris as a diplomat because I did very well, you know. So I went back, and that's when I had, a, you know, a, opportunity to meet Charles de Gaulle and all this with, of course, my ambassador as, a, as part of the team of the embassy of the Sudanese embassy in Paris. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, so that was my experience with diplomacy. But then uh, after that, of course, I was involved uh, in the political process in Sudan. I went back to Sudan and then there was an Emery uh, coup d'etat, then I became uh, Mansour Khalid, who was the Minister of Youth, asked me to become his, uh, you know, uh, the director of his his cabinet, uh, and um, and then from there, of course, there were some political issues in Sudan. I was always very uh, open about discussing these things, and and uh, so. I took sides, uh, then I found myself in jail because of my ideas <laughs> for about six months. And then, and then eventually I came back to the foreign ministry 
and I was sent to Nigeria uh, as a second person, you know, as a charge affair of, of uh, Sudan in Nigeria, in Lagos at the time. And um, from there, you know, I decided I was going to leave the service because uh, it was incompatible with, with my convictions. And so the question was, uh, do, I, do I choose my career as a diplomat and shut up and put up? Uh, uh, or do I uh, continue my curiosity and my quest to understanding what's going on and to find a way um, to uh, and a new purpose for my life? And so that was uh, the point of departure. I decided, no, I'm not going to put up with dictatorship. I'm not going to compromise my principles and my values. And so I, I, I left the, the, the service and I went to work for the World University Service in Geneva, Switzerland, uh, as a, you know, as a associate secretary general of this uh, quick, nonprofit, quick question. I mean, organization. Yeah. If I may, um, yeah. so you obviously sure. someone as a thinker and uh, as a diplomat and a, a politician, you have a philosophy in life. I'm just curious to know more about what are your uh, convictions in terms of uh, what, what what is it that the secret sauce, if we may call it, uh, and if you can also outline maybe three principles that have, uh, you know, you've led and lived by uh, as you pursued diplomacy from the embassy in Nigeria and, and the foreign ministry in Sudan and, and the Sorbonne. So what, what, what have you... Uh, outlined as your uh, strategic principles by which you lived. Yeah, I think uh, you know. Simply put, I think uh, it's it's people differ, you know, uh, and everybody has a perspective, and everybody is entitled to their perspective and their uh, experience and their uh, decisions. Of course, uh, that's that's why you know I. I, I I believe in freedom, you know, and freedom for everybody, really. And uh, freedom of speech is vital because without it, there is uh, nobody can. All of us being free. I like uh, what you what you have to say about uh, giving people freedom. Now, is that your leadership style? I know you're as a diplomat. So, how did you? I mean, you you obviously had mission you have strategic plans you have goals you had the national interests of the country you were uh, representing so you must have had some uh, guidelines and principles that uh, as as a leader that you've lived by that this are the the benchmark and this is what i'm living by otherwise i'm not gonna i think you alluded to it uh, uh, briefly if you can elaborate more on that leadership style uh, dr yeah, Tine, I, yes. yeah I think truth matters. I think values matter. I think uh, principles matter. And I think it's very important, first of all, to have a clear vision as to what you uh, want to see uh, in the world. And I think it's very important to address very honestly uh, uh, the issue uh, that Gandhi uh, uh, spoke about, which is uh, how can 
every one of us uh, be the change he or she wants to see in their in their, their, their selves, in themselves, in their families, in their communities, in their uh, towns, in their nation states, in their countries, in their cultures, in their religions, and in the world. I think this is a very important question. So when you when you ask this question genuinely and you answer it, there are issues of truth is very important. The issue of freedom is important. You know, the issue of uh, uh, justice is important, uh, and the issue of peace are important. So these are the guidelines uh, of of my life. You know, and this is my vision. You know, my peace vision. You know, for for America, for Washington, for Sudan, for the world, basically, you know. And uh, if you believe in Christianity or Islam or Judaism or Hinduism or any other uh, spiritual tradition, uh, because spirituality matters, I think, in, in, in life, you know. Uh, life is not just about matter. It's so, about spirit, you uh, know, so... And, so uh, that's very important. And mm-hmm. I, uh, so spirituality and uh, and justice, and yeah. certainly Gandhi has put it very well and inspired as well as uh, Kwame Nkrumah. Absolutely. Are, uh, however, let's take you back to pre-corona, and you have definitely outlined success stories in your book and your quest uh, for new uh, humanism. I just wanted uh, people... Uh, to have a sense of what are the things that uh, you have uh, accomplished that makes you proud as a person, as a thinker, as a diplomat that um, someone listening would uh, point to and maybe get inspired by that? Yeah, I mean, basically, just uh, having maintained my authenticity my integrity and uh, and my hope uh, uh, that uh, our better angels uh, are stronger than our worst demons as humans and that therefore but it needs work and uh, i have uh, embraced sacrifice uh, as a price for actually having integrity and authenticity and having a voice uh, that is uh, honest sincere and being transparent that's basically it and you know being able to to share freely my perspective and indeed, to indeed. engage to engage in a in a useful conversation yeah being and transparent of, you know, being an, and uh, having an open mind to engage with the other in a manner that is more civil and more uh, uh, peaceful uh, which uh, which Uh, sums up your whole life basically now 
Uh, my next question is more about you obviously have had people from your humble beginning in Mwaba to the Sorbonne to Washington, D.C., who have uh, made it possible for you and have aided you along your journey. So if you can... Um, it, if you can give us some uh, uh, insight as far as who are those people that have had uh, the privilege of helping and uh, mentoring you so that you become the person you are today. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's vital. I, I mentioned that in the book, you know, the first thing in the book, you know, it's, uh, the acknowledgement, you know, uh, I mean, we, we don't live in, in a vacuum, you know, uh, from, I, in fact, I mentioned it with a smile in the book. I say that, you know, from the day we are born until the day we leave this world, we are in a default position of dependency <laughs> on somebody or some, some kind of a social uh, structure, you know, family, community, etc., etc. Uh, so, of course, uh, I owe everything to my my parents, for example, my my community, you know, in Umruaba, which helped me grow up, and you know, where you know the whole uh, the, the whole village is a school. Actually, you know, everybody is is your teacher. Uh, from from that because that's the genesis and that's the foundation of, 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 of my life and my spirit, you know, uh, and my, and my purpose and my essence. And then all along this journey, uh, it's in, uh, in how to interact. And that's why, you know, I'm very keen about communication and the art of communication. And that communication is, is really an, uh, an important art. Uh, for the human species, and of course, in the beginning, what the word, you know, the you know the the Bible and the Quran and all this, we always speak about the word, and words matter. It's important. Ideas matter. That's why, you know, I I strive to be more of a thinker than of a politician because sometimes politicians compromise ideas you know, and the purity of ideas because of uh, partisan uh, convenience, you know, and that's where, you know, I think there is a difference between being uh, a thinker and being a politician, you know, and I think we need, as I mentioned in the book, we need more thinkers in this world, free thinkers, people who really help us. Uh, maybe uh, that's how we can resolve the the partisan extremism and tribalism that we have now in the world, I, you know, I, and I, uh, I, we, I, need, I we need we need mod moderators. We need people who can uh, help us uh, have deep conversations, open conversations, and not ex being exclusive. So, so <laughs> I would like and to bridge and bridge bridge our perspectives so uh, talk, to talk. reach to the to a new truth for our humanity so you know that so, can help us move forward and that sums up the uh, title for your book which is a uh, quest for a new humanism and i would like to pivot back uh, i like the the optimistic uh, tone that you have to 
people stepping up and and being thinkers and being uh, involved in their daily life so that we can bridge that uh, uh, cultural gap uh, and, and forge a more peaceful uh, world. Now, I would like uh, to ask you, based on that, what would you advise young leaders, uh, current leaders, future leaders in Africa uh, who are aspiring to walk uh, on your, uh, into your shoes, becoming diplomat, thinkers, as you said, what do they need to do? What do we need to do to get there? Yeah, as uh, Nkrumah uh, said to me in the letter which he sent me when I was 17 years old, uh, he said, I see promise in you. I therefore advise you to take your studies very seriously, I'm quoting him, eh? in order not to be wanting when you are called upon to play your role in the reconstruction of Mother Africa, and I would add, of the whole world, Africa, as the cradle of humanity, the cradle of uh, spirituality, the cradle of civilization. And I call Africa, you know, Obama's new memoir is called The Promised Land. I, I always called Africa the Garden of Eden of humanity. And I hope that all human beings understand that they are, their origin is Africa. And that despite all the uh, the trials and tribulations of humanity with regard to Africa being kind of uh, piaged and uh, being a victim of um, many, many uh, humans, uh, especially Europe uh, and the West, is that it is the, it's time to atone and uh, to uh, to really be able to uh, get involved in uh, helping Africa become the Garden of Eden uh, of humanity. Uh, it has all uh, uh, that is needed to be so, so that we can all go back home <laughs> to the original home of humanity, which is Africa. And, uh, you know, and do that happily you know, by doing the right thing, you know, and start a new, a new way, a new chapter of, 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 of life. So, so does that mean you believe in the advice that Nkrumah gave you that uh, young or current or future African leaders need to, to, uh, to, to more, to explore more about education and, and things or, uh, what more specifically would you uh, advise? I mean, basically, yeah, basically to take your studies very seriously, to 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 educate yourself, uh, to to go deeper in terms of your awareness and your consciousness, and I think we need more and more efforts and investments uh, uh, in 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 terms of. Uh, not only resolving our technological challenges, you know, as species, you know, uh, you know, I mean, 
the Silicon Valley uh, initiatives, the, the Googles of the world, the Facebooks of the world, uh, the Apples of the world, you know. Uh, I mean, we are, America is leading in this area, you know. That's great, you know. Uh, what I'm saying in the book also is that we are doing great in terms of innovation in technology, uh, 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 artificial intelligence, you know, driverless, driverless cars, all these things. You see my point? What I'm saying is that there is, there are incredible achievements in, of innovation in the technological area, but the social sciences and the side of new ideas and novel ideas and novel visions is lacking because we are not really, because that's not where the money is and we are not putting enough investments to encourage that. And because of course of the politics that is so, so. Uh, not interested in actually um, freedom, you know, uh, authentic freedom, you know, uh, and, 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 and changing the narrative and challenging the narrative, the dominant narrative. So, so young Because, leaders, uh, so young leaders, uh, ought to embrace education as a tool for changing that narrative across Africa so that they could, uh, bring about, uh, uh, a paradigm shift in your point of view. Uh, yeah, not only, not only, uh, Uh, accepting education as it stands. It's actually challenging the dominant paradigm. Uh, It's called. The history, the narrative, you know, the history of the world. This needs to change. This is what I'm calling uh, about in the book as well. I'm, 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 I'm making a challenge to the dominant uh history, the, the official version of history as it stands today. And I'm saying this history needs to be revised and we need to change this paradigm of knowledge, you know, and on that basis, be more uh, courageous in terms of innovation, innovating yes. new ideas yes. so to reorganize the governance systems yeah. of the world. Yes, uh, and I like that very much that uh, our leaders current and future can be more innovative and challenge the status quo for uh, for uh, bring about change that suits the content and and bring about uh, the betterment in livelihood of uh, all uh, people who, who who are in the content and beyond now um, as we conclude this uh, what would you say uh, is in your mind about the state affairs of uh, Africa today? Sudan, of course, going through a lot of transition because of the uh, revolution that you alluded to, but also America here and the world about the pandemic and as such, uh, as a concluding. Uh, I think the, uh, we still, humanity is still a victim of uh, a governance model that is uh, based on the nation state and that where the, the more organized societies prey on the less organized societies. 
And as nature abhors vacuum, where disorganized societies, the vacuums of the disorganized societies uh, are usually filled by the better organized societies. You see? And that that needs to to change. And that's that's why I'm calling for humility and a rev- revision of our consciousness and deepening of our consciousness and actually calling for an awakening, a new human awakening or human awakening uh, that actually cares about the truth of our human story and establishing a new narrative uh, that is more honest, more transparent, uh, and where we can actually build cross-cultural or an intercultural, interfaith, uh, inter-social, uh, ethnic uh, consensus that can be the basis and the foundation for a new humanism and a new humanity and a new governance paradigm that actually makes sense and that we can all live by and uh, I, I, I give give legitimacy to, and then we can go to work and be happier than we are. And instead of killing one another, you know, loving one another. Yeah, I like I like yeah I like your uh, your call for action for people to uh, to engage in in new humanism as your book uh, book's title is uh, and I very much appreciate the thoughts and your uh, intellect and, and and words that you've put on in the books about your quest for new human humanism and uh, you've summed it up very well. And um, one last point is, where would people find you? Um, what contacts information if someone wants to reach out to you? Well, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the book is available on Amazon.com. And uh, uh, and then, of course, I you have my, and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we are very available, you know, if you just Google our work or our foundation or our institute or my name, you will find all the information. So thank you so much, Hashim. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for your audience. And I hope uh, we continue the conversation, you know. Thank you. Thank you. And I I very much enjoyed this conversation. And uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, coming on a Momentum Africa podcast to share your views about your uh, uh, book that I've read, which is incredible, uh, about liberation, a quest for new humanism. Uh, of course, uh, Dr. Tanay, thank you again for uh, being here and thank you for your time. All right. Thank you, Hashim. Take care. You Have too. a great day. Will do. You and too. keep keep up the good work. Okay, sure. Thank you.